Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. Hey, this is Palm Sunday. And this is the time of great victory. But there's something interesting about when Jesus walked in to the city of Jerusalem, actually rode in on a donkey. You know, they were the same people who were laying out the palm leaves and celebrating him just a few days later were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. That's, what, that's kind of a, a metaphor of life in some ways, you know. One minute you're a hero, the next minute you're a zero. I mean, it's just, and, and it happens to all of us. But the interesting thing is Jesus' life was one of being led by the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit of God brought him from northern, brought him from the north to the south. I've, I've walked in, and driven that, that road over in Jerusalem from up in the Nazareth area uh, right down into Jerusalem. It's not a real long, I mean, it, it's, it's, I think, 70 miles or so uh, down there. Jesus comes down, weeps over the city, goes into the city, but the point is, he has been what the Bible calls the second Adam, a new creation, God in the flesh. And he's walking something out in faith in order to be an exemplar, an example for everyone. He's paving a trail. He's opening the door. He's ripping the curtain. He's going into the holy of holies, a man who was tempted in every way, but did not sin. Now, the cool thing is when you're in Jesus Christ, you get to walk with him. (laughs) You get to walk that journey in your own life. And so much of the life of Christ, I shouldn't say so much, all of the life of Christ is a picture of our lives, that we enter into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Sometimes multiple times in our life, we see that played out in our lives. But in one way, absolutely, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, just like Gary did in the back row there, when you do that, I told him the seed of Christ is being planted in you. Your life is changing now. Christ is growing in you. And you're going to get into the Word of God, and you're going to understand the way the Spirit moves. Jesus was led by the Spirit right up to the place of his death when he gave his life for each one of us. So that's what this week is all about. We're entering into Holy Week. It's a traditional time of contemplation, you know, thinking about Jesus, wondering about his life. We end up Friday night when we do matchless as a time of, of a sorrowful waiting on the Lord and entering into the sufferings of Christ, meditating on the pain that he went through, the stripes that were laid upon his back. And then we come back Sunday morning, we celebrate. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That the, it's interesting, the Holy Spirit walked with Jesus. Now think about this in, in regards to your life. The Holy Spirit walked with Jesus throughout his whole life, led him in every way, And even when he went to the grave, the Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens your mortal body. So that same Holy Spirit that followed him right to the grave and then raised him out of the grave, that same spirit has now imparted you to quicken your mortal body so that you too, as the song we were singing today, you too can come up out of that grave. That is what the Holy Spirit leads people to do. Every one of us in this room needs fresh encounters from God. When it's sometimes your worst moment, sometimes your best moment, that God will invade your life and God will speak to you. It's what the Spirit of God does in our life. I'm going to move this forward or I'm going to keep hitting this thing. Let's see. There we go. So turn with me if you could 
Because we stand right now in an unusual time in American history. I mean, in the past two weeks, I know you're tired of hearing about this, but I wasn't here. I was out of town, so I gotta tell you too. But the whole Will Smith thing, you know, with the slap, Chris Rock, I mean, it was the slap that was heard around the world. I mean, everybody, everybody's, I mean, it didn't matter what was going on in the Ukraine for two days. It was just, it's all, what, what did he do? And the whole, the reason it was important, I think, you know, I got different opinions on the whole thing, just like everyone else in America does, but I, I thought, why is this happening right now? What, what is going on with this? And, and it was, it, it caused a kind of a national narrative to emerge about what real masculinity is. Was he being a man to do that and defending his wife? What should he have done as a real man, a Renaissance man that is not into violence but protects his wife? What should that look like? And, and does his wife even really cares about how he's responding to it? I mean, it was like flooded and I thought, we are questioning what is real masculinity? And that would not mean a whole lot except just a couple days before that, we saw the champion and the NCAA swimming meet was a transgender uh, man. And, and so the question was, what is, what is a woman? What is a man? I think here we are, 230 years of American history. I would have never imagined this, but the big thing we're dealing with is what is a man, what is a woman? And then our Supreme Court nominee, which became a Supreme Court justice, will take her seat, I think, in August. When questioned by Congress or by the senators as to what is a woman, which I thought was a very unusual question, <laughs> What is a woman? Uh, they talked back and forth, and finally she said, I can't tell you because I'm not a biologist. And I thought, I thought, there, this is the question in America right now. We need to be attentive to it. But I also thought, how far we've not come in so many ways. And I think in the midst of this, I realized that at the core of it, there are so many core questions in America. It's one of the reasons we're doing Alpha Course here is to begin to ask, answer questions for people. This is what we know. And, and, to, and to listen and to understand about what other people are thinking and how their minds have been shifted and what, what's the core of what they believe in. Are there absolutes in, the, in this world that we live in? I just want to tell you ahead of time, I'll, I'll cheat here and tell you, there are some absolutes. There are some absolutes. Jesus is God. That's just an absolute. There are some absolutes. The gravity, you know, what goes up must come down. There, there's things that you, that you can bank on. Crypto is not one of them, but there's things that you can, you can bank on. You can say, this is just true. The world is round. I'm sorry if you don't believe that. We can talk later on if you want, but it's round. I flew around it once and it's, it was round. At least I, I may have slept through part of it, but uh, it's round. And so we're, we're in this moment in America. My, my question is, who is going to answer the questions that people have about some basic things and some, about some complex things is going to be a people that are walking the life of Jesus Christ and being led by the Spirit of God. I love the fact that the Spirit of God quickens me periodically. By the way, I'm not like the best uh, follower of Jesus and, and Spirit-led kind of person. I have moments that I walk away from and say, why didn't you open up? Why didn't you share something? Why do you say? I mean, I have a lot of those moments where I do it, but I came up to Starbucks down in Moravian Falls the other day. Two guys were in the car. This young girl came up and uh, uh, I, I could tell she was of a, of a subset of understanding and a culture by just the way she looked and acted. And she, she was very friendly. 
And I just talked to her about my drink, you know, and I, I got a, uh, the thing I usually get, and my friends got something. We're just chat, chatting and talking. And I felt the quickening of the Spirit say, ask her that question, are you a Jesus follower? So I said, hey, because you know, we'd been laughing and talking together a little bit as she was getting the drink and order together. I said, are you a Jesus follower? And she said, kind of. I don't know in the hundreds of people I've asked over the past three years, anyone that said kind of. I thought, well, that's interesting. I said, that's interesting. She goes, well, my dad's a pastor. I thought, oh. <laughs> okay. I haven't had a pastor's kid yet, man. This is going to be fun. And I said, really? I said, uh, so um, she said, yeah, my dad's a pastor. And I said, well, and she had to go get her drink. So it kind of broke up the conversation. I thought, okay, well, Jesus, what am I supposed to say here? Because I don't want to hold her up. I don't want to get her fired or anything like that. Has to be quick. Has to be to the core. So she came back and I said, uh, let me just tell you something. I said, Jesus is going to encounter you by the end of this year. Now, I'm not saying something that was foreknowledge of. I'm prophesying something. I'm speaking something that is not as though it were. I want to plant the seed of Christ into her life because she'll be watching for it now. And what does that mean? We didn't have time to talk about it. I said, but the seed of Christ is going to come into your life. He's going to reveal himself by the end of this year. And I said, and the trajectory of your life is going to shift. And there's something magnificent that God has for you. And she looked. And I know it went into the core of who she was in that five, two minutes or whatever it was. And she said, thank you for your uh, positive words. I said, no problem. And we walked away. First thing in my heart was to pray for her. Lord, just seal that thing in her heart. I don't know what's going to happen there. I didn't get her address. I didn't get her phone number. That'd be kind of weird. But anyway, I didn't do any of that. I'm just, I'm trusting the Holy Spirit as the seed is implanted, there's going to be so many things in our life over this next year, particularly toward the end of this year, you're going to have to trust the move of the Spirit in your life. Now, here's the deal. This is one of the greatest weapons we have is the life of Jesus Christ. And when you find yourself studying the life of Christ, you learn a lot about yourself and what it should be like. So I'm going to do this really quick. If you'll turn with me, I want to look into... Uh, well, where do we want to go here? Let's go to... Uh, yeah, that's why I'm at. Acts 10, Acts 10, 38. And while you're going there in Acts 10, I want to read you a scripture out of Isaiah 54 that I actually read from a couple weeks ago up in Middleburg. I was going to preach some of this here about three weeks ago, but the Holy Spirit moved. You remember that Sunday? Three weeks ago? I never got to preach. And I love when that happens. I don't make it happen, but I love when it happens. And uh, there was a move of the Spirit of God, and it was a rousing of our hearts. It was really strong. Same thing didn't happen in Middleburg. It was a different thing, but it's happened up there and not happened out here. But for this congregation out here, God's speaking something and rousing something in our hearts. But it says in Isaiah 54, because I was going through a series on, on uh, warfare, what it means to be a, a, a soldier of Christ. By the way, Soldier of Christ is not January 6th. I don't know how many Christians were involved in that, the perceived insurrection, but the battle that we fight is not a flesh and blood battle. When you fight in the natural, you may accomplish earthly uh, solutions in one way or another, but it's pretty shaky. But when you understand the way that Jesus did things, 
that he was somebody who was able to understand spiritual dynamics in a natural realm and fight the spiritual thing because when you fight eternal battles, you get eternal results. The power of God invading earth, which is exactly what Jesus was. And so in Isaiah 54, it says this, and Isaiah is called the Gospels of the Old, the Gospel of the Old Testament because there's so much about Messiah in there. Isaiah 54 says this, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Let's all say that. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against me, against you in judgment, you shall condemn. That word condemn is a word, it's a Hebrew word, rasha. It's like, it's like a stopping of judgment, rasha. Stop it. You know how to condemn things. Again, in nonviolent ways. And it says here, and you shall condemn, this is the heritage or inheritance of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me. So in the Old Testament, they were prophesying hundreds of years before the New Testament. They're prophesying into this people group that will emerge that understands who they are in God and they're able to move in such a way that is otherworldly. It's something that doesn't seem natural. And it's the natural thing would be to go up and slap somebody. <laughs> We've seen how that works out. Not so good. That's the natural response. I was so happy to see right after that happened that Denzel Washington and uh, Tyler Perry immediately went over to him and began to pray for him. Uh, I thought, well, good. Two Christians got up and went over, saw an opportunity and realized that, and, and Denzel had, had prophetically warned him about this prior, you know, how the devil tries to get in at your highest moments, you know. And, and so that was, it was just a moment. And we need to pray for Will Smith. Regardless of which side you're on, we need to pray for Will. We need to pray for Chris both, that God would touch them through this moment. And that we may see a major, I know they've, there's been apologies and everything. We may see a major reconciliation because this is some kind of a metaphor for America right now. As God is calling us uh, to move out of judgment and walk with favor and righteousness in our life like Jesus would. Acts 10.38 says this. This is the life of Jesus. Acts 10.38, after Jesus is gone, this is what Luke says about Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, what's it say, with what? The Holy Spirit. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's the thumb of God, the rub of God as it technically is. The anointing oil that comes upon you that was put upon the sheep of their day. Put upon the sheep because it kept from mites and ticks and things like that coming on the sheep. They can't walk in slippery skin. So the anointing's upon you. It's actually a protection so that you can be whole and live a good life. So the anointing comes of the Holy Spirit and with power, and this is what Jesus did with it, all capsulated in this one verse. He went about doing good. Jesus was a do-gooder. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed or literally dominated by the devil and God was with him. This is, this, if you want one verse that's gonna motivate you in the days ahead, this could be your verse right here. That you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you want the Holy Spirit of God and thank God when you come into the kingdom, the Bible says in Ephesians that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you're born again. Literally, it means you're born of the Spirit. You're born of above. 
that not born in natural ways, but born in supernatural ways, you now have the seed of Christ in your heart and the Holy Spirit, which Jesus prophesied would happen, begins to unpack what it means to have Jesus in your life. The Bible says in Corinthians that he reveals the deep things of God. Eye is not seen, ear is not heard. It's not even entered into the heart of man. That's what scripture says. The things that God has prepared for them, which are hidden in Christ, but the Holy Spirit will reveal them to us. Our life is about revelation of Jesus Christ. I love the story. I love the scripture. I wrote a book about it in Revelation where it says in the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you talk about Jesus, you reveal your future. When you talk about Jesus, you open doors into your future. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of the unknown, the mystery in Christ, and a revelation of it. Every moment you're in in your life, there is a mystery in it. There's something that God is wanting to reveal about Christ in your life. We learn to walk in the spirit. How did Jesus do that? Well, he began a life. His foundation was in Luke chapter 3. If you turn with me there, Luke 3, verse 21. I'm going to conclude in just a few minutes. I'm going to pray for some folks. Sir. I got to church last week, and it was a small little church, so maybe 120 people, something like that. And at the end, I just got this impression that I need to pray for everyone. And I've done this before, and I always think that it's not going to be a lot of people that want this, you know. But I said, you know, I want to pray and prophesy everyone here who, who would desire that. Well, they all stayed. So there I was for several hours uh, prophesying over people, and it was magnificent. I, I was not physically, emotionally, or spiritually ready for it. It was just a moment. And so it's one of those deals where you're totally dependent upon the Lord, meeting people you do not know, you know, a little bit cautious, wanting to not say something stupid, and really want the, the word of the Lord to be released into that. What a powerful thing it is. So I'm, I want to take a little time. I'm not going to prophesy over everybody. I've got another gig I got to go to up in Middleburg Heights right after this. <laughs> but Luke 3, 21 says this about Jesus. said, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass. Luke 3, 21. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. Jesus is the perfect model. He does what he knew he should do. And we need to do what he did. And so we enter into baptism just like uh, uh, was stated, uh, Melanie stated on the uh, video she showed her baptism. She got, I think she posted that like a year ago. I forget the exact number. Are you in here, Melanie? How many, how many views have you had on that? A million views. What was that, Instagram or what? Instagram. A million views. One person getting baptized. It's like, Lord, I didn't get a million views when I was baptized. It was 1965. No social media, barely color televisions. But anyway, that's a whole other story for another time. Luke 3, 21 says we're, we're baptized. Jesus since has had millions of views of this when they read it in scripture. It came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. So he's praying while he's being baptized. And the heaven's open. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let me just argue this for a minute in my last 14 minutes. Jesus started his spiritual life with an encounter. Almost everyone I've talked to that gets baptized encounters something special in that moment. That's why I encourage everyone to get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. 
It's like an initiation in the purposes of God. It truly washes away some things. I know when you confess Jesus Christ, salvation comes upon you, but something about the physical act of water baptism is a powerful thing, and when you enter into it, your life has to begin with an encounter with God, your spiritual life. We believe encounter in encounters here. We believe that God speaks. We believe that God shows himself. We believe that God shows up in dreams in people's lives. I believe it. I hear people saying, I had a dream. I think it was from God. I don't go, listen. <laughs> oh, young son, young daughter, listen. That is not God. He does not show up in dreams. And then you find out it's like, it's like in the top two languages of the Bible is the dream language. God shows up and tells all kinds of people dream. Joseph, the, the father of Jesus, earthly father of Jesus, husband of Mary. The only thing we really know about Joseph is he was a carpenter and he was directed early in his spiritual life. He was directed by four dreams. In other words, he shaped his life around dreams that actually protected Jesus and got them to where they needed to be. He knew when God was speaking. And so the Holy Spirit as a born-again person, the Holy Spirit begins to move differently in your life than he does in the natural world. And how fun it is in this Holy Week to be aware that God is in me and moves through me. In him we live and move and have our being. Yeah. Yeah. That excites me. And a voice then comes out in this moment, and this happens in many encounters, it's about the shaping of your identity. When, when that, that wet cloth was put on my buddy's head, I didn't know him Thursday, now he's my buddy. That's what happens when you go to these two-day therapy sessions, you know, with pastors especially. Put the wet, that's the Jesus thing. That's why when he said it, I thought, that's Jesus. That's the Jesus I know. He shows up in my worst moments. If you go through Sozo, which is kind of an inner healing thing that we do here, and I encourage you to go through it. When you go through Sozo, I mean, it's, one of the big questions they're going to ask you is like, you go through some of the most difficult things in your life, you share them with someone else. It's important to get someone to talk about some of your stuff. And you share it with them. And they're going to ask you the question, where was Jesus in that moment? You're like, he wasn't there. No, no, wait a minute. Look back now. Let's see where Jesus is. And almost every time they respond, I've been there, I've done it, I've seen it happen. Almost every time they respond, they go, yeah, he was, he was over in the corner standing there looking. I mean, they in hindsight, they can see that Jesus was with them in their worst moment. God is with you all along the way. If he knows, if he sees a sparrow that falls from the tree and in a number, he knows the number of hair on your head, even though the number's getting lower and lower for guys as they get older. But even though he knows that, he intimately knows about your life. And we're missing an entire life if we do not engage with an encounter with Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. Amen. And so he speaks. He says, you're my beloved son. Have you ever heard that? You're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. When you hear, when I hear from my earthly father, which by the way, he died 20 years ago today. I was thinking about the other day. And when I was grieving over that, I remember I had like a year of grief. He was the best man at my wedding. He was not a perfect soul. My brother and sister agree with that. He was not a perfect soul. But man, when he became a believer, a follower of Jesus in 1976, it transformed my view of God. Watching him as a 46-year-old being touched by God. He was a rugged guy. He was a tough guy. He had stuff in his life, big stuff, that he just forsook and began to pursue Jesus Christ with everything in his life. Traveled with me all over the world. So when he died, I, I, it was a loss. 
It was a loss, and I, I mourned off and on for a year. And on the, the one-year anniversary, it was when I went to bed at night, like around midnight, I enter into this dream. I've told it many times. If you've heard it, I'm sorry, but I'm going to tell it again. And I was in the back seat of a yellow 1968 Camaro convertible. And the reason that was important is because it, it was one of my treasured cars my dad had, which he gave to somebody who needed a car. And so I remember that 1968 Camaro. I kind of hoped he'd give it to me, but, but someone else had the need, so he gave it to them. And I was in the back seat of that car. He'd long been away from that, but this is on the, one, on the first anniversary of his death, which would be 03, uh, 19 years ago today. In that dream, the Lord showed me I was in the back seat of the car. Jesus was driving the car. You say, how'd you know it was Jesus? I've seen pictures of him. Go to Italy, you see him all over the place. And he was there and he's driving. He never said anything. But every time I, I would think, that's Jesus driving, he'd turn and look at me and just kind of smile. And the smile was a reassuring smile, like I'm with you, I'm with you. And, and I'm, we're driving and I have my hands on the back of the seat. We're going through the Metro Parks about 10 o'clock at night. I know it's a very detailed dream. The Metro Parks, I love the Metro Parks. And so I'm there with my arms, you know, the tops down, it's a warm summer night, 80 degrees, whatever, humid dark outside, and a bird lands on my arm on the left. A bird lands on my arm, and he lands on my arm. I begin laughing hysterically, and I, and I, I woke up laughing, and uh, it's only happened a couple times in my life, oddly enough, and uh, my wife said, what are you laughing about? So I just had this dream, you know, and, and I went back to sleep, and when I went back to sleep, I re-entered the dream. That's the only time it's ever happened in my life, like a, a, a sequel to the dream. There I am in the uh, 1968 Camaro, laughing, enjoying a presence, and just, it's in the midst of all this sorrow, this brokenness in my life, you know. And a, an announcer comes on, the voiceover, and he says, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And it was in a strong, commanding voice, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I woke up and I never grieved after that. What is that? It's the presence of the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus Christ. Now, I could go into a whole bunch of other stuff. The next day, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm away home from work mid-afternoon. I'm going through the station, WTAM. I mean, if you know Mike, Mike Trevisano. Mike Trevisano was on. I was listening to him, and you know, he tells, he tells a lot of crazy things on his show, and uh, he's a unique guy. And he said, you know, the weirdest thing happened yesterday. I was, I was driving down in my car, and a bird landed on my left, as the car was moving, a bird landed on my mirror and just looked in and stared at me. And I just thought, God's after you, Mike. <laughs> he does this bird thing and it changes your life. He's gonna do something healing in your life or something like that. But it was weird. I've never heard someone mention something like that. Within two days, three different people mentioned these unusual occurrences with bird, which was God just stamping the understanding, that was from me. In case you want to doubt it, that was from me. And I love the idea that God can heal you in the night while you sleep. I didn't pray for it. He just came down in his grace. I'm telling you, he is in your life. You think I'm someone special? I'm really not. I'm just like everybody else. I'm dependent upon God. I'm learning how to walk in his ways and the spirit of God leads me day by day. But you have the power of God residing within you. You've been touched by the Holy Spirit of God. If you've been born again, you've been born in the spirit. God wants to launch you into a lifetime of seeing the activity of God in your life. And it's gonna be transformational. So that's what an encounter with God is. I mean, it's just 
stunning. I was in Florida last week, and we, Cindy and I went to a uh, uh, luncheon uh, just about 20, 30 minutes from us in Bradenton, Florida, and uh, uh, John Kilpatrick was speaking. I wanted to go hear him. Robert Slayer was there, and there's only about 100 people maybe that were there, and uh, we kind of went through some worship, I think, if I remember right. It was a week ago. I'm 65, you know, but anyway... Uh, uh, we go through worship, and uh, John gets up to speak. Now, John was the pastor, the leader of what, the Brownsville Revival, 1995, on Father's Day. This revival breaks out in the church and lasted for five years. And millions of people came to know Jesus through that revival. It was, it was powerful. I went there several times during that time. I met John before, not like we would know each other, but I got a chance to meet him and talk with him. John gets up and begins to speak. And I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. His words were weighted by the Spirit of God. He could have said, let's go to Burger King, and you'd be weeping. It was that kind of an anointing. And I kept turning to Cindy. I'm looking around. Is there anyone else feeling this? For some reason, they may have been. I don't know. But, but for me, I felt I could hardly speak. I turned to Cindy and said, there's, there's weight in his words. And she's like, yeah. yeah there, I mean, you know, she didn't know I was having a moment. Uh, but it was the Holy Spirit. And it was so much so that about 10 minutes into it, I felt an urge to get up and interrupt him. Probably wouldn't have been great to do that. I don't know. But, but I, that's how strong I was feeling. Like I've got to tell him of what's happening right now in the room. So if you feel that urge, that, don't do it yet. But anyway, just, <laughs> I was, I was going to get up. And then I got over that, you know, and it's like, it's one of those things where it's shut up in your bones. You feel like you got to say something, you know. And finally, he goes, he's telling a story. I don't remember all of what he said, but he's talking about when the Holy Spirit moved in Pensacola, Brownsville, Florida. He said, and all of a sudden it was like, whoosh. This is what he did. Whew. Like that. When he did, what I was feeling stunned the whole room. It was like, it was like a little nuclear blast, you know. Went through the room. And everyone started like, woo! You know, I mean, the whole room is lit up big time. And he realizes it and he goes, let's just stand up. I think I'm, I must be finished here, you know. <laughs> and they stand up and he just starts saying, Holy Spirit, come. He was, and it just, I mean, I mean, it probably lasted 20 minutes. Waves and waves. You go, what does it feel like? I, I, don't, I don't know how to tell you except that it's kind of like standing in the ocean. I mean, you're feeling this movement that's kind of coming upon you and you, you know, you don't, you don't want to get out of the ocean. This is like, it's a washing, it's a moving, it's a prayer. God wants to move in your life. And in that moment was another electric moment of the Lord just touching me and saying, let me, let me remind you, I'm here in your life. That happened just about three weeks ago right here in this service. I pray that, you know, we've got an open door. I pray it still happens in some of your life that you will feel the touch of God. Jesus did that. What did Jesus do right after that? He goes out into the wilderness. I'd read the scripture, but I'm out of time. He goes out in the wilderness. What does Jesus do? The enemy tempts him. The Bible says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Did you know the Spirit of God will lead you into dry, testing places sometimes? Have you ever felt that? You're like, get the devil out of here. It may not be the devil. It could be God leading you into a place to test your soul. Three times he comes against Jesus Christ. How does Jesus respond? With the word of God. He responds really out of Isaiah, what I just read a few minutes ago. No weapon formed against him. He responds and said, it is written. It is written. He attacks three different kind of attacks. Attacks that were designed by hell themselves to destroy Jesus. He attacks them and finally the devil leaves and it says he would return at an opportune time. 
In other words, there's going to be more times that the devil came in to try to taunt Jesus. But how did he do it? Through the word of God. Jesus was the word of God. He was an expression, a physical expression of the Torah. He was an expression as he met with the guys on the road to Emmaus after his resurrection. He explained to them all through the Torah about Jesus in the Torah. He knew the word of God. I'm telling you one thing. I mean, you need to have an encounter with God and you need to get into the word of God. Is this something I'm commanding you to do? No, try to live without that. You'll find out real quick, this is not a great life what we're living. There's difficulties and challenges. But when you are moving in the spirit and you're full of the word of God, you're going to be amazed. You will refute the lies of the enemy that come against you and no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That should light the crowd up right there. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So the last thing he did, <clears throat> last thing he did <clears throat> is when he gets out of the wilderness. By the way, the wilderness, I wish I had more time. The wilderness is a multiplier. It's like uh, you get extra points <laughs> when you go through the wilderness. Because when he came out of the wilderness, Bible says he, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. One gospel said he was driven into the wilderness. He was driven into the wilderness. So it's a God thing, taking him in there. But the Bible says after his temptation, his refuting for 40 days, he uses the word of God. And it says he comes out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. That's the ultimate goal. That's what you keep your eyes on. When you're going through a difficult time, I'm coming out of this. I'm going to come out more dangerous than when I came in. I mean, when I had cancer, you know, and I was, I was laying in that bed, you know, uh, uh, it, was, it was horrible. You know, I was, I was getting stem cell transplant, 2013. It's been almost 10 years now, 2013. And I laid in that bed and, and nurses came in and adjusted stuff. And there was three nurses working over me. I had seven bags hanging over my head, you know, and I had interns coming in to look at my mouth. Uh, seemed like often, but they may have only been there once or twice. So I was kind of doped up from morphine. But, but they'd look at my mouth because it was classic what my mouth looked like for the sores and everything. And I remember, you know, they were opening my mouth and they're going, wow, that's, that's textbook. You know, that's really amazing. I haven't seen that. And I thought, well, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, I, I'm, I'm glad someone's, you know, getting some benefit out of this whole thing I'm going through. <laughs> But I, I'm laying there, and there, someone jostled the, the bed with these three nurses. You know, they bumped the bed and woke me up. And I said, Hey, Spirit, Rich comes out of the dead. We'll my morning bottle, and I'm getting quicker. Because I had sores in my mouth. And the nurses turned to Cindy, who was sitting there on her computer doing something. And, and they said, what, Do you know what he said? She said, Well, yeah. I think he said, The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead will quicken his mortal body, and he's being quickened. <laughs> so, I was, that was my theme verse. As I went into the hospital, I had about three theme verses, actually. That was one of them. And I, I, in the time of my, the worst moment of my life, when I was awakened out of it, something was going on in my subconscious, fighting the very powers of darkness. For the Spirit of God dwelled in me when my mind wasn't quite there. And out of you comes the Spirit of God speaking. Whatever you're going through right now, I'm telling you, if you've hidden the Word of God into your life, it, the Holy Spirit will bring that out in that moment 
and it will overpower the enemy. It is a weapon that has been given to you. And the final thing, because I'm now two minutes over my time, is, is Jesus, what did he do after that? He came out of the wilderness. What would you do? What do you, I mean, you start your ministry or whatever. You know what he did? He went to, he went to church. The Bible says he went to the synagogue, which was his church. He went to the synagogue. And the synagogues back then were not like we think now. And, they, you know, there was a lot of corruption and stuff like that, just like there is in the church now. So it wasn't perfect, but Jesus said, as his custom was. In other words, he was a churchgoer. He went there. He ends up reading from Scripture, and there are some theologians. I'm not sure what I think about this, because I do remember Philippians 2, where Jesus basically emptied himself and took on the form of man. That's what it says in Philippians. He humbled himself as a man. What is that? How does that work when you're God and you make yourself man and do you hide the God part? You know, do you, have, do you understand it's there, but you don't access it? I mean, there's all kinds of theologians that have debated this for years. But there's some people that believe that Jesus only had to go on was the Spirit of God and the Torah, the Old Testament. And from that, he's finding his way. He's 30 years old. He does what a 30-year-old is permitted to do as they become a rabbi. You can stand up, you can read in the synagogue. He opens up to Isaiah and he begins to read. And it says this, it says, it came to pass, this is Luke 4, that, that uh, where he was in Nazareth where he brought up and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. He was probably on time. And stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the book, he found it, and he said, he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. So the Spirit is upon me. The Spirit has anointed me. To do what? To preach the gospel, to announce good news. To the poor, he was sent to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty, and goes on and on. And then he says, today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So theologians, a lot of theologians look at this and they go, this is when Jesus discovered his destiny. Isn't that powerful? In a local church, doing what he always did. But because he involved himself, he opened up. This is the move of the Spirit of God. He read a scripture, and hopefully I'm praying that something I shared this morning rings your bell in your soul where you can say, that is about me. Jesus said, and this is about me. The response wasn't good. They tried to throw him over a cliff. That's what happens in some churches when you find out who you are. They try to throw him over a cliff. He gets through it and immediately commands an evil spirit to come out of somebody. I mean, it's like he's moving in and out. The spirit of God is moving through him. I love the fact that a local church is where we find our destiny. God is going to open up something in your heart today. Maybe it's the beginning of an open. Maybe it's long down the road. But he's going to confirm something in you that is powerful for your life today. Let's stand up together if we could. So what do we learn from this? We learn how to be quicker when you're speaking so you don't go too late. No, no, we learn that being a person of the Spirit wins you daily battles. The Spirit will lead you, sometimes in some difficult situations. The boss, the neighbor, the person in the truck next to you on the freeway. Things come to kind of test your soul. It's interesting that in James it says, count it all joy 
when you encounter various trials. You, you know, your first spiritual response in a trial should be, <laughs> oh. that's not the way it works in my life, but I'm telling you, that's what it should be. My life is what? What are we gonna do about it? I try to solve everything, you know. What are we gonna do? But James says, count it all joy. I love Graham Cook's twist on it. He says, he says, I love the desert. It's where I really encounter God. Instead of meeting someone and say, how you doing? And when they go, Eric, great, everything's going good. Graham Cook says, stinks to be you, man. It's so much better when things are not working out well. You learn so much more in the desert. As always meditate on it. I think it's kind of true. Why don't you learn how to count a joy? I love what Steve Backlund says from Redding, California. He says, look, if you're going to laugh about this 25 years from now, you might as well laugh now. Even bad situations, 25 years from now, it becomes part of your story. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Yeah. Your story's good, but mine's better. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happened to me at Starbucks. Yeah. We all have stories. I was just with 10 pastors for two days. They have stories. They preach the everlasting gospel, just as I did. Story after story after story of the grace of God. God is building something in you and you're becoming a spiritual person that's led by God. In heaven, they call you saint. Just practice that a minute. Whatever your name is, your first name. Let's just say saint and then put your first name in there. Ready? I'm gonna count to three. You ready? Make sure you remember your name. Okay, could be, you know, I'm gonna be Saint Stephen. So you ready? One, two, three, Saint Stephen. Wow. You know what saint means? Separated ones holy ones, sacred ones. We declare it over you right now. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ, I got good news for you. One person already gave their heart to Jesus Christ at the beginning of the service. We thank the Lord for that. If you're here, you're here right now and you do not know Jesus Christ, I want to let you know he is here. He might be standing in the corner. I don't know. He might be holding a wet rag in his hand. I don't know. But when you follow Jesus, you will live a life of walking in the Spirit. You will have victories. Yeah, you'll have sometimes you mess up and you, you don't do quite what you want to do, but it, it doesn't matter. We're going to learn. We're going to learn. We're going to gain joy through it. And we're going to learn patience, as it says in James. We're going to come out. It produces patience. There's a multiplier in difficulties. Ask Janet Porter. She'll tell you. As difficulties come in, mm, greater sense of mission, greater sense of destiny greater sense of fearlessness. I will fearlessness. I will not back down. That's the Spirit of God coming upon you. So across this room, if you do not know Jesus Christ, I'm going to make this real quick because I'm already over. You say, I've never asked Jesus to come in my life. Or maybe you did way back, you know, when you're like eight or 10 years old, something like that. But you really haven't lived a life. You haven't followed him. You're not a follower of Jesus. But you want to be. This is your moment right now. A decision is being made right now. That's all it is, like the thief on the cross. He never was baptized. He never gave money to the church. He didn't do any of that stuff. He was dead. He was almost dead. But in that moment, he cried out to Jesus. Would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? That's what we really want. And Jesus said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Oh, that's powerful. I love that. You want to hear that today in your heart? All you got to do is raise your hand and say, I want to know Jesus. Across this room right now, anyone here, you say, I've been away from God. I, I, I'm understanding who Jesus is now. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. But across this room, my left, your right, right now, anyone over here in that section, just raise your hand right now and say, yes, sir. I see that back there. Anybody else? 
Just raise your hand. Say, I want Jesus. I want Jesus in my life. Something powerful coming upon you, sir. Spirit of God has been with you all along and you know it deep in your heart. We bless that right now in this center section here. Anyone that does not know Jesus, raise your hand. Yes. Yes. Is that two back there? No, just one right here. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anyone. Thank you so much, sir. We're going to pray a prayer together right now. Somebody back there? Okay, good. There's three already. Over here in this section, anybody? I need Jesus Christ. Raise your hand. Yes, Gary, bless you, man. We pray for him, Lord, in Jesus' name. This is the time of sowing the seed of Christ in the hearts. We bless that in the name of the Lord. Here's what we do. Let's pray a corporate prayer together. Who's coming up? All right, great, Jay. Let's pray a corporate prayer together right now. And if you were here and you just raised your hand, and maybe you didn't raise your hand, say, oh, I should have raised my hand. It doesn't mean it's, it's out of reach for you right now. You pray this prayer with us. And it's not a magical prayer. It's not just something that you pray. You pray it from your heart saying, Lord, I don't know how to pray, so they're going to give me something to pray. Lord, I, I express this to you. I, lo- I love what Gary said earlier. He just said, Lord, I, I give you my life for... He said, I give you my life for whatever you want. I thought it was really great. I thought, what a beautiful thing to say. I mean, it's all yours, Lord. So right now, Lord, we give you our lives. Let's say that together. We give you our lives. We come before you. We know that we're separated from you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that. And I yield my life fully to you. Take me. Mold me. Shape me into your image as I follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for those four or five that came to know Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.